what Enterprise really needed, Clay, was they needed lawyer Martok. And now, yeah. they've, now they've got him, and he's ready to go. He's here. He's returned. He's pretty much Martok in this episode, isn't he? J.G. Hertzler playing Martok, just with a different yeah. job. Yeah. it's uh, <laughs> You know, this episode in general was really great for voices. All three of the Klingons with main speaking roles had fantastic voices. However, I, uh, I actually got confused a bit because uh martok and the other guy the other uh lawyer Mm. both look and sound very similar so they kept cutting to the other guy and he'd be like this human is is guilty and i'm like wait a minute is this like some sort of weird like mix him up strategy he's going for where he's like all he's really guilty of is love or something but yeah um no it was just the wrong guy i I got them mixed up just playing a little bit of a a little bit of lawyerly games there leading you down one path and then he kind of does that in this one where he says archer is guilty of being a good person yeah he does he does get there eventually (laughs) yeah yeah but but when he started that right away i was like ooh. This is a bold strategy. I hope it pays off. <laughs> We're going to be talking about judgment. Let's take a break. We're going to play a clip from the episode. We'll come back and break it down. You stand accused of conspiring against the Klingon Empire. How do you respond? I'm not guilty. When this tribunal convenes tomorrow, you will be given a chance to prove your innocence. If you cannot, there is only one punishment. Judgment is the 19th episode of the second season of Star Trek Enterprise. It came out on April 9th, 2003. It is the third or the first in the three of the Archer's Trial by the Klingons arc. Teleplay goes to David A. Goodman. Story credit goes to Taylor Elmore and David Goodman. Directed by James L. Conway. In universe date specifically is unknown, but it's 2152. In this episode, Archer is charged by a Klingon tribunal, charged by a Klingon tribunal for helping rebels try to escape the Empire. So it's basically undiscovered country's courtroom scene turned into an episode. Mm. Um, is is this an homage or is this a ripoff? Uh, you know, it's funny. I didn't even consider that until you brought it up. Um, it's pretty much identical it, to how yeah, they shot the undiscovered really country's uh, courtroom scene. I think they actually share lines of dialogue between the two of them too. Oh, that's that stinks because I really like this one and that. Uh, yeah, I don't know. I think this uh, is an homage. Question. I, I think yeah. this is a very good episode, and I think it's more of an homage than it is a ripoff of that uh, that scene. <clears throat> but this is, in my opinion, this is one of the strongest Enterprise episodes we've seen so far to this point. I would agree. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Um, but again, it's Archer under trial. The main, if we if we're gonna maybe not pick nits, but we're going to come up with a problem. I'm not exactly sure how they captured Archer in the first place to bring him into trial because he gets away from Duras in in the beginning, so it's unclear how they actually arrest him at some point. That's a really good point. (laughs) I I was more focused on how kind of like easy it is to pay someone to break you out of Klingon prison, which thematically uh, relevant though, because they've been they were hinting during this episode that the Empire is becoming corrupt in those ways. So though. I, I have a slight problem with they just walk out the front door as their escape yeah. plan, but I, I I like the idea of a, a bribe happening that pays off a Klingon because mm. when they when Reed tells him that line, um, Kolos I think is his lawyer's name also gives kind of like a uh, like he he right, he can't right. believe that it's come this far for the Empire. It's, it's a nice little touch. I just I am a little hazy on the fact that they walk out the front door in front of guards who have been tasering them the entire time yeah. and, and there's no problem getting out like yeah. the the drop-off ship is just parked like out the, front the, the, yeah the guy's having a cigarette out front <laughs> it's like george clooney coming up. out in the uh, the opening of oceans 11 just walks out to, yes to brad pitt sitting there to ready to take him away How yeah can, i do i do also like that it continues the uh the the running gag of when you need to break Archer out of jail, you send in Reed wearing a kooky disguise, <laughs> like he's like he's a, a, a agent from uh, Get Smart or something. He should he should have the um, Mission Impossible rubber masks that he just rips off every. And, it, and Archer should always give the Lucille Bluth to uh, that private dick that she gets always in private. What's that guy's name? <laughs> Gene Parmesan. Gene Parmesan. <laughs> he should always react like that to him. How come you liked uh, Judgment? 
I just thought it was really strong. I, I thought the story was good. I liked the multiple points of view they were playing with. Um, I thought all of J.G. Hertzler's stuff was really good. Uh, the angle that they were playing about him... I really like the conversation, the monologue he has about about who he is as a uh, Klingon and how the Klingons are not all warriors and stuff. And you know, my father was a shoemaker or whatever it is. Um, His father was a I, um, a teacher. Yes, I was like, that's yeah. fine. He goes, my mother was a biologist. I said, mm, you're pushing pushing it a little bit. I think with the, with the biologist, <laughs> bit, of, bit of believability there. Like, uh, they both they both they both lived in Cambridge for 15 years. Extremely well educated. Donated uh, to NPR a lot. They are okay, the yeah, liberal elite of Klingon society. Yeah. Are Colos's parents full, pro- um, but full yeah. professorships? Yeah. <laughs> None of this assistant professor bullshit. They're going all the way up to a full full professor. I like They had a wonderful farm share that they participated in. I liked um I like judgment. I think it's a I think it does pretty much everything well that it's trying to do, mm. unlike a lot of Enterprise episodes. I like the set. It's remarkable what happens when you bring in um quality guest actors to Star Trek. That's always been something we've noticed and it always tends mm. to be true. Even with, not that this episode has middling material, but even with the middling material, if you bring someone in, um, what I think is interesting about J.G. Hertzler, and the other the other attorney is also good. He just doesn't have as much screen time as this guy. Judge is good too. Judge is good too. And I, yeah, they like, really they really got their money out of that gavel thing. Yes, the sparking ball with his like yeah. metal hands that he has to use to hold it because he's burned off his real hand. Um, I think that's from the undiscovered country as well. It is. Yeah. Yes. yeah, yeah. Um, what I like about Hertzler is that he, um, he made me kind of realize that a lot of the characters on enterprise, both the main cast and the guest stars to this point have kind of lacked an energy level to them. Mm. Like they don't, they don't go broad in the way that I think some stars that Star Trek kind of needs sometimes. And Mar- Hertzler is basically just playing Martok again, as we said at the start. But it's a it's a level of energy that I feel the show doesn't always do. Like it always has much more of a um, laid back kind of low key generic military commander guy come in, mm. and it's like there's not a real presence in the scenes with anybody. And I thought that I thought he did as much as anything in this episode to really elevate it and make it go and make you believe that this guy was actually a Klingon. Like I compare him to um uh the guy who plays the Vulcan ambassador. So Soval. Soval, the, the terrible oh, sure. the terrible Vulcan. Sure. Um and they're different re- species, so they should be different with each other. But Soval brings nothing to the Vulcan role. It's just this flat energy, even though he's angry all the time. And Hertzler really just elevates it just by just by like inhabiting a Klingon and being making the Klingons play up as their Shakespearean sort of uh, want or to do. And mm. I, th- I thought he was good. He's good. It, it elevates everything when you have energy like that. Yeah, it's... Um, I guess it's, it shouldn't be surprising that the best guest stars tend to be the ones who have been on Star Trek before. Yeah. Um, the ones who like Hertzler or uh, Jeffrey Combs, who are used to—I don't know if it's that they're used to the makeup or they're just used to the world or what—they just know how to project through it um, and bring good, charismatic performances with them, as opposed to, you know, you get the guy from Quantum Leap there who's just like, "What if I'm?" What if I'm an alien commander, but I'm just exasperated? Yeah. I'm just kind of like, huh. A lot of exasperation. War. Same with Canamar. What, what are we going to do? <laughs> Same with Canamar, the lead villain. You can't just escape from... <laughs> jail. <laughs> follows, alien jail. Follows you everywhere. Follows you everywhere. The Klingons are good at that. And this is a... I like the, um, the Klingon court, I think, is a nice set. I, I think that this... How they act here, like, I think the the biggest biggest conundrum I have when I'm thinking about this one is how strict I have to be to understand 
Klingon society. So in some ways, this actually undoes the Klingons because what I like about the Klingons is I like their sort of how they're portrayed in the courtroom, which is that they are they're orderly but chaotic at the same time. Mm-hmm. Like it's a courtroom mm-hmm. of yelling and things like that. So they're they're this warrior culture that believes in a system of ethics, but they're also just sort of crazy at the same time. And the reason that the biologist line strikes me as funny is that I was like, are they pushing the Klingons a little bit too much? Like at, at what point I, I'm I'm totally open to the Klingons having a society that I have not seen because we're used to seeing their warriors in space who are fighting everything. We're used to seeing the military. Um, but is it, do I care enough about Star Trek representing reality that I'm like, where do the Klingon farmers come from? Like, what are they doing yeah. out there? I don't, I don't know if I actually care about that, yeah. really. Like, I, I don't need the world to be totally realistic. And if you push them too hard, they become Cardassians in this direction. If you push mm-hmm. them as there's a kind of military takeover of their society... That's the Cardassians to me, and I think that you should you should keep them a little bit separate from each other. Yeah, they tend to have the Klingons have always felt like, um, <clears throat> even though they were the first or second, well, yeah, second alien race or the, the most popular next yeah. to the Vulcans. Yeah, after they the Romulans too. They were the, the, Romulans, introduced yeah. after the Romulans. Yeah. Well, or even the Romulans are just at least. What if the Vulcans were bad? But uh, at least when they were created. But the, the Klingons have always seemed to be a culture of contradictions, and I don't know if that's due to the way it's built or just the fact that the writers never seem to pin down exactly what they want to do. Because they've, the, they've got the honor thing, and that was kind of what they were just flying by the seat of their pants with the Klingons for a long time. Um, and so I think when you start... TOS didn't even have that. TOS just had them as they were just generic bad guys. Right. Yeah. Right. Yeah. They were just, you know... Uh, Feisty. <laughs> Feisty generic, aliens. Generic, generic brown-skinned villains. Maybe that's what Enterprise is going towards. They're vaguely militaristic yeah. bad guys. And Enterprise says, we need more of that stuff. And then it was, yeah. just, it was just TNG that really, and Ron Moore in particular, who developed them into this honor culture that... I would say one of the greatest serialized arcs that Star Trek has done is show through TNG and then into DS9 the contradictions of how an honor culture would actually exist right. in real life. Yeah, yeah, and I think I think that's what makes them really interesting is because they do have this what seems to be a cut and dried way of life which is bound by honor, but the minute you step into a story involving them, the good ones anyway show you why that's sort of hypocritical in the way that they actually act. Yeah. Like there's, well, if they're bound by honor and, and uh, you can just stand up to your commander and kill him and take his post, why do they have judges at all? Why right. do they have society at all? How does their society work? And then you get into that. How do they get the, anything the, done if it's based right. on just yeah. fighting each other all the time? Yeah. Well, teachers and biologists, yeah. clearly. Yeah, right. Uh, but it's but it's that, it's. I think that's actually the fun of the Klingons is because they take this super serious honor thing and they always tend to undercut it with a more realistic approach to things, which kind of points the Klingons out as being kind of hypocritical. Yeah. Um, they're, they're but pretty... that being said, I do kind of agree with what you're saying. Uh, I, I think one of the may have been last episode. I, I made a reference to uh, um, at the mountains of madness, the HP Lovecraft story. Yeah. And the previously, what I said was one of my favorite parts. Conversely, one of the my least favorite parts is that uh, he goes out of his way to pages upon pages, like break down the entire society of these plant alien creatures, mm-hmm. down to like their farming practices and shit. And I'm just like, I I do not care about any of this. <laughs> I just want to see what the monsters do. I don't need to know about their slave culture. Um. So I think you can go a little bit too far where it's like, okay, you're getting a little too cute. I think this re- this one rides the line with that because I do really like, for lack of his other name, Martok's speeches. Col- Colos, yeah. His name is Colos. Colos yeah. Colos. I like, I like his speeches a lot. And I like where he comes down on, at the end as well, where he ends up, uh, while while also recognizing the hypocrisy of an of their honor-based culture he um makes a choice 
based on on honor to stay there. Yeah. Even though no one's telling him to do that, it's not part of the Klingon way specifically. It's just his own personal honor allows uh, doesn't allow him to leave. Yeah. His his perception of what Klingon honor should represent to right, them instead right. of this kind of uh, attacking everything that moves ideology. Yeah, I am. Um, the Klingons. I do think. I think that Ron Moore was onto something. Just the, the Klingons function best as a vaguely Shakespearean Hamlet type story, mm. where there's like this mm-hmm. this thing that's going on, but the the actual story is underneath it, and none of them seem to be aware of what the problem is, the contradiction yeah. that's working against them. And that was also helpful when you have, to portray that appropriately, you kind of need the Worf character who is outside of it and able to look in at them. And Enterprise doesn't have Mm -hmm. the benefit of having a Worf character in it. So they have to do it a little bit more, um, maybe unsubtly here where, you know, he's talking about his biology mother and his teacher father or whatever. I, um, I, I do like it. I, I'm not anti the Klingons being fleshed out that way. And I think that this is one of the better episodes. This is definitely the best Klingon episode. And I was looking back, there's been like five Klingon episodes in Enterprise, which which surprised me because wow. they're, all, they're all terrible. Um, That's a lot. It's, yeah. It's, 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 it's Broken Bow, Unexpected, um, the one where they get stuck in the gas giant. And I think there's one more. So this is maybe the fifth one. Uh, and they haven't done anything with them. And this is the first time that they've actually... Mixed it up a little bit. Uh, they've sort of d- redone the Undiscovered Country again. But it's nice to have an Enterprise episode that's actually c- kind of conceptually about something. <laughs> something that has a... There's a little bit of a point to it beyond the... Uh, you know, The last one we watched was the Space Wisp episode, which is just like such a... Mm. Such a standard Star Trek episode, you know? And this one felt yeah. a little bit different. Even... Even going so far as I thought that this one was a good shot of the show, kind of recognizing that Archer's an idiot in some ways, <laughs> like that his his ah shucks, I just want to do the right thing is actually kind of backfiring in a lot of ways. Like that's been the the plot, not the plot, but it's been the the takeaway from so many of the first and second season episodes. And here it's nice to have Kolos actually call him an idiot at the very end when, when Archer mm. says that he wants to do something. Um, but Archer works well in this episode on in and of himself. This is. Probably what Bacula is best sorted to do, be the kind of normal guy who's put out and put into a bad situation. And he doesn't really have a lot of speech making. He doesn't have a lot of shaking his fist at things. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So he's good in this. Yeah, he gets, excuse me, he gets the opportunity to really like lean into the more um, statuesque elements of being a Star Trek captain where, where they're like, how do you plead? And he's like, not guilty. <laughs> the camera's below him, so he's slightly yeah, looking, like nice, looking I can't, up. I yeah. can't do a, I can't do an appropriate upshot <laughs> with my my uh, computer cam. Maybe I'll get a second one I can cut to for dramatic <laughs> dramatic lighting shots. No, he's um he's he is he is well constructed for this one, and I. I think that it's it's a nice use of serialization on the show's part too, where they're calling up the things that he's done previously for the Klingons are part of the reason why he gets a lighter punishment. Um, the other guy is interestingly named Duras, which is a callback to Worf's storyline, where Duras was Duras was the guy who betrayed the Klingons and killed Worf's yeah, father. Yeah, I was. I thought that that name sounded familiar. Is it not? It's not supposed to be the same guy, obviously. Though, I right? don't think they hint. I don't think they make that connection. It might just be a reference to it, but. Yeah. Um, He'd be old. There's another guy. Duras is a very popular name in in Kronos for yeah. 200 years. It's a, you look at all the baby websites, and it's number one for like four years running. He, it's he, weird though that you don't see any kids these days named Martok. It's like nobody calls their kids Martok anymore. Yeah, it's very cyclical. You he's, know, he's a, he's a war hero. <laughs> I see so many Wayuns and just no Martok. Yeah. <laughs> um. My my son has three three Wayuns in his kindergarten class. It's insane. <laughs> I you're writing out birthday party invitations, and it's like, is this Wayun F or is this Wayun which, F? Which, which, <laughs> what's the address for this guy? I think um, outside of that, this is also. I was just looking. And apparently, it's twice as hard because they're all clones of each other, so they look identical too. That's true. 
not the not the not as bad as the changeling kids, but they are equally difficult <laughs> to get around. I guess Goodman was doing commentary one on this one. I wouldn't have made this connection, but I was just reading about what he said on the commentary track for it that his inspiration uh, came from. This is the era of preparing for Iraq's invasion, and his mm-hmm. inspiration for it was he was considering what people think of America when the only interaction they have with Americans is the warrior society that we send mm. over to places and like what they must how how other cultures would view Americans as a whole when their only interaction is with the soldiers who are either fighting a war in there or you know doing whatever like peacekeeping or being basically the police of their society that are uninvited sure. and things like that um even if they're doing good work uh so it's it they do they do do that here it's it's an attempt to expose the the klingons i just i do come back to the fact that if, if it's too much in this direction, it's just the Cardassians, and I think the Cardassians are better at that thing. Mm-hmm. And maybe that's limiting to the Klingons, but I don't know. Uh, it's a redundant point, but I, I think it's like the main point of the episode, and I'm not sure if I really agree with it. Yeah, I um, I I look I like to look at it. I think more, as, uh, I should say, less as a critique of the well it is a critique of of the klingons but i I like to look at it less of a critique as the klingons as a whole and more as a story about uh kolos is that his name kolos yeah kolos and his uh interpretation and and reaction to their society and stuff like that so i i i think if it's i think if you have if you think of it more localized to him and his interactions with the 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 justice system and his interactions with Archer, I, I think it. Uh, I think it stands. I think it stands on its own pretty well. Yeah, I. It's what's kind of funny about it is that we've. I think we've commented on the show about the Klingons are an empire. They call themselves an empire. To my mm. knowledge, this is the first time we've ever seen them have subjugated species in their empire. Right. Right. Which is. I, I think we've even talked about like that would be the way that this would have to go. They have to just be conquerors who capture places and then take all the stuff. Mm. Um, so I like seeing that. That feels like it's a totally natural thing to do. I was just what it actually got me thinking about was discovery. Interestingly, because um, I was thinking of Takuvma in the first couple episodes of Star Trek Discovery and the portrayal. The first, the the first early portrayal of the Klingons and. I think that all anybody ever talks about for the Discovery Klingons is how they look and how they talk mm. and things like that. Mm-hmm. I actually really like the representation of the Klingons in early Discovery mm. before Core. They start. What, what is the guy's name? Pulling, before, what was his name? They start pulling the heads off babies and stuff. <laughs> well, yeah, before before they start doing that and what is it? Laurel is that her name? Laurel becomes yes, the Empress Laurel, and stuff like yeah. that. Takuma was really great and. I really think that the concept of the Vulcan hello, which is just to shoot the shit out of the Klingons before they have a chance to say anything, makes more sense than yeah. than a lot of the stuff that I see here in this. So when I'm in a, in a post-discovery era, when I'm watching the courtroom scenes, I'm I'm wondering if the Klingons are on shaky ground when his defense is not a celebration of violence you know what i mean Mm. like if it's like Mm. archer didn't mean to hurt us he's not our enemy doesn't strike me as particularly klingon in a lot of ways but the the discovery approach of if you want to show the klingons who you are you just have to shoot at them immediately and then they'll respect you for trying to do that yeah it is yeah because you would think one argument you should be able to make is that uh archer with an inferior ship managed to um, defeat the Klingon ship, yeah. but also spared the life of the crew by not blowing the ship up. So yeah. why, why is this person who clearly is the more superior warrior than our second gunnery officer guy <laughs> yeah, now? His demotion, post demotion. Former, former captain, uh, 
why is why is Archer being punished for being a superior warrior kind of thing? Right. And I and I guess that kind of falls into the contradiction of of the Klingons as a th- as a group. Yeah. I was I I was also thinking that. It's I would have just Cuz like yeah, you could you could argue that the uh well, I guess it depends. I was going to say you could argue that uh the fact that he didn't shoot first is a sign of honor or something, but then it's like, well, then the, that kind of negates the idea of the Vulcan hello thing, but whatever. Yeah. This, yeah. Obviously this Vulcan came out before hello. Vulcan hello. Whatever. I just, I think that, you know, for everything that we should on, on discovery, I think that's an actually better take on the Klingons yeah, in a I lot agree. of ways. Yeah. And, you know, a, a great failing while I'm not, well, going back to enterprise and doing this sort of prequel thing of fleshing out the Klingons, I'm actually, most annoyed that Discovery didn't flesh out the make Kronos great again storyline, which mm. was like, seemed like it's, that's, because that that's kind of what this episode is, too, in some ways, yeah. except it's yeah, a well more, I, w- I wouldn't say it's more anything because Discovery didn't touch on it enough to actually draw a point about what Discovery is trying to say about it, but this guy's trying to make Kronos great again, and that's what the Takuva was trying to do, and I think that's a, it's just nice it's been a consistent theme amongst the Klingons, and I guess the problem with it is that I don't know. I don't really know where their central sense of honor sits, like how you would mm. define what they consider to be honor. Because I was imagining this episode, Archer should stand up and be like, "Like, what kind of warriors are scared of the truth?" That would have been my thing if I was Archer. Yeah, be like, that's cool. you know, yeah. be like, "Like, are you are you are you scared of the truth that I'm about to say?" And that's why you won't let me speak. Just really insult mm. their sense of like what they can handle. Uh, he doesn't mm. go down that line though, but that, that's just something I would I was considering with the the way that they portray these Klingons anyway. Yeah, the uh the idea of the the make Kronos great again thing is is fun to me because it seems like a natural rallying point for a group like the Klingons uh to reclaim the greatness of their empire kind of thing. But the inherent thing you are admitting by going that route with your argument to the people is that your government or world or society is not currently great. Right. And that could be a very interesting conflict in, in a group like the Klingons who are so honor bound and so um, have a sense of Klingon exceptionalism. Yeah. Suprem- they're way. supremacists. They, they believe in, yeah, they believe yeah. they are yeah. the, the give the God's given people or whatever. I do uh, uh, going back to the empire thing though. I do I I do love Star Trek's use of the word empire um because it very it does not really ever amount to anything outside of the planet that they're on. And I remember in in Picard one of the uh smarmy arguments going around was well if it's the Romulan Empire then shouldn't they actually be ruling multiple planets if this uh, maybe if this did you make that argument i apologize for doing the smarmy voice then but <laughs> it's uh but it was it's one of those it's things my main where, point where about that series well no it's like it they, they you never see them yeah being empires of anything else you know i don't Except know if nemesis. the romulans have like extra extra planets yeah. they can go to yeah nemesis is the the, the remens are the only <clears throat> example of something yeah. that they have but noticeably absent in yeah. picard how come they weren't there advocating for the romulans no one saved them android or not they weren't saved at all yeah empire is mm. just shorthand for bad guys it's right. it's, the, it's yeah. the term you use to, to define yeah. them as uh bad bad people but uh, but to to your point, I think it it is interesting to see them act like an empire within within their own planet. Yeah. Um, I I wasn't totally clear on those uh, wayfish aliens they were oppressing. Mm-hmm. Are were they are they not native to Kronos? Is that the deal? Yeah, they're just aliens who had settled on a planet, and then the Klingons found the planets and took all their stuff. And oh, okay, so in this case, a new place. In this case, the Klingons are acting in a intergalactic sense. Yeah, as far as like empire goes. Okay, they're they're expanding into other planets and conquering it. And Tabal mm-hmm. has that line later on. Well, we could put them on a new planet, but the Klingons are just going to start expanding into that. Yeah, planet I like that, that line up on too. Yeah. <laughs> Someone should tell Tabal not to worry because they don't, and they never bring it up again. <laughs> well, there there is a. I think there's a Klingon Earth war post Enterprise before TOS that we, we've never oh, really? seen. Oh. Yeah, so. 
What this series should be doing well, is driving Until we get that. to the 2022 season on CBS All Access. <laughs> I mean, now we're getting rumors that Cisco is going to come back. Julian Bashir is going to get a show. Sure. Why not? Let's do it. Just bring back the Let's Klingon Civil War. I want to see old man Bashir as the dean of a medical school on Kronos. <laughs> and O'Brien would be the uh, dean of the engineering section because he, he left DS9 at the very end to become a teacher at Starfleet Academy. That would be amazing. <laughs> <laughs> and his wife is a biologist, a plant biologist. <laughs> Wait a minute. What if, what if O'Brien and Keiko are actually the uh, adoptive parents of co- Kolos. Kolos. And that show is about how they go back in time and end up back here raising this Klingon child to be a uh, an advocate. And when uh, Molly's don't favorite give me, thing... Don't give me money, Molly's CBS, favorite I, thing to hum was that cello song that's playing in the Discovery yeah. episode. And so it's, it's all going to link together. I'm very happy. Um, that's pretty much all I have to say about Judgment. I... Um, it was just, it was kind of rare to walk into an Enterprise episode where I was like really engrossed by it the whole way mm, through. Yeah, um, yeah. I think the ending is, what's interesting, I was looking production wise, the, the ending feels a little bit rushed. It almost feels like they should get mm. to Hoth a little bit earlier than they do. But the sacrifice and everything works. It's kind of rushed in the sense that they just run out and they go off and the guy stays behind. I like that. I like all that though. I guess originally the second part of this was supposed to be Canamar. So it was going to be a two-parter oh, where really? Archer okay. and whoever rescues him, it's Reed in this case, but it would have to be Trip if you were to do it, would get on that ship and escape from the prison That's interesting. thing. And they would be on the Klingon pr- prison transport or whatever. Um, they decided that they liked that idea as a standalone thing and they didn't want to stretch this into two parts, so they kind of split them up. But uh, that was the original idea as to what to do. It would probably make it seem like it was a little bit slower. I would imagine that... Colos probably would have run off with them in that case and then died in the second part of it or something just to get mm. rid of that character. Yeah, that's... Sorry, that was a weird sound coming from my house. Um, that is an interesting idea. <clears throat> I, I, I'm kind of happy. I'm happy they didn't do that because I, I do really like the last scene with Colos. But yeah, I was thinking the same thing. There, I was looking at the clock, and I was like, "There's like five minutes left," and they're sent. They're they're having a scene on the mining planet. Yeah, yeah. That's a, that's a lot to introduce and get out of in in the last five minutes of your show, unless you do what you do here, where Reed basically Reed just shows up and pulls his hood off. He's like, "Come on, let's Come go," on. and then they just go. They do have the nice scene of Archer stands up for him by attacking the Klingon guard. Uh, like that. Yes. That's kind yeah. of that's really all the time that you need to to do that uh, to get across what's been developed between the two of them. Um, they have time for their little handshake I, and run off. It did go a long way, though, to breaking the formula for me of the show because when he got sentenced, I legitimately was like, I don't know. How do you get out of this? There's not a lot of time left. Yeah. <clears throat> I don't know. Are they going to keep him there? Is this going to be a two-parter? I mean, it doesn't seem like, you know, I think most other shows would have the the decision reversed in the court kind of thing and then you kind of have oh that was a close moment as far as that goes but no they they sentence him when they Klingon send judge, him to... judge just goes jk credits roll it's, it's, it's <laughs> over no no it's it's i've been won over by your humanity <laughs> and i will reject <laughs> all of the tenets of our ju- judicial system because i think you archer are a swell guy swell Super swell, super swell guy. Yeah, he's. Um, I think it's a it's a good ending. And Rura Penthe is the moon that blows up. I think right. That's Praxis or something. There's some connection I, here. Rura Penthe. You talking about Santana albums? What they, are you talking about? My my favorite uh, track off it. What is Rura Penthe? Rura Penthe is the penal planetoid used by the Klingons. Uh, oh, it's just where they go in undiscovered country. That makes sense. Oh, it's the same place. Yeah, it's okay. the same. It's the same prison. Okay. Uh, Praxis is the moon that exploded. I guess this is a different place. Um, did you they think don't they have had- that big? They don't have that big blue guy with his 
nutsack on his thigh in this one, though. <laughs> I like Undiscovered Country. I don't remember tremendous amounts of it for some reason. Mm. It's like the, the best Star Trek movie that I don't watch ever, you know? Yeah. That, that's yeah. kind of the way about it. Um, yeah. So you thought the ending was a little bit rushed. That's about it? Yeah. It's tough. I think it's. I think it's just because... Yeah, getting him out of there seems seems too easy. Um, I, like you said, I think it is saved by the the effect that it has on Kolos and and what it says about the Klingon culture. But it, yeah, it just it seems like a lot to get into in the last get into and get out of in yeah. the last five minutes of your show. That being said, do I want fifteen minutes of them on? Uh, this mining yeah. colony while we're cutting back to the enterprise coming up with crazy schemes to get no i don't really give a shit about that so yeah i think it i think in line with the story they're telling it works but it, yeah it does it does feel a tad a tad rush yeah yeah it's it is tough because i don't want to spend any more time there than i do and i think it's necessary that they go there it's um so i i, I think the the thing that makes it most effective is they developed kotlos and archer's relationship enough prior to them getting there that mm-hmm. like the the bad decision of this script would be they bond once they're there in the ice planet you know yeah they don't have yeah. that uh, post trial scene where they're talking to each other about their biologist mother or whatever yeah that would have been the worst case scenario yeah i think it's just strange because like this feels like an episode of law and order basically right yeah and you very rarely in law and order get a coda sequence where you go to and you hang out in jail with the guy for for like 10 minutes mm-hmm. it's you usually get that scene at the end where they cut back to the prosecutor's office and they you know it ends somberly while they're having a drink or something or it, <laughs> courtroom dramas tend to not expand outside the courtroom mm-hmm. essentially is is what it is yeah. like even if you are working on things outside the courtroom the story itself generally ends in the courtroom. Yep. So to have them completely shift over into this new uh, environment and setting is is a little strange, but I think it, I think it works well enough. I don't think it I don't think it undercuts the good stuff in the episode. We'll call it a day right there. Let's take a break. We're going to play another clip from the episode. We'll come back, give our final thoughts, read some patron thoughts, and that'll be it for judgment. Come on, I can't go with you. Why not? I've been an advocate for 50 years, and I've spent the last 20 of them standing in that tribunal, playing my part, holding my tongue. And all the while, honorable men were being sent to places like this without the benefit of a defense. And then I was assigned to your case. You told me that on your world, a few courageous people made a difference. I'm not sure I have the courage. But I know I'll never be able to restore honor to my people living as a fugitive. Thank you very much for listening. Hope you enjoyed the show. If you enjoyed the show enough where you want to support the show, you can go to patreon.com slash Lipensky file. A couple dollars a month gets you extra podcasts. You get to vote on the polls about what we discuss. We've got Christmas in Connecticut and Attack the Block coming up this month as extra content. So a Christmas thing and then a sci-fi movie. Um, that's it. It's also a great way to just show your appreciation if you have any appreciation for what we're doing here at all. Thank you very much. Patreon.com slash the Penske file. And as always, a special thank you. If you ever wanted to learn how 1940s Christmas farce, Christmas in Connecticut connects to Arnold Schwarzenegger, become a patron and find out. That's right. Do not look it up on Wikipedia. Just become a patron. Don't cheat. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> Pay us money to tell it to you. Go to Wikipedia, give them $3, and then come over to Patreon and give us $3. You know, they seem to need it. They've got a lot of... Every time I go there now, it's like a page and a half of please give us money. Yep. I haven't yet. I should, but... I, I did haven't. it once. I, I have given Wikipedia once for the sheer amount I use it, but um, yeah, I, I don't I don't know what the... It's just the, uh, it's the modern problem of uh, pulling out your wallet for online stuff still doesn't seem mm. right. It's still a little bit clunky. It's not if someone had something. I was walking down the road and they had something at three dollars in cash. I would just hand it to them without thinking about it. But the right, the credit right. card online seems difficult, and it's not it's, even like a security thing. Yeah, well, it's for Wikipedia. It's strange because I think in the back of my head, Wikipedia still feels like a uh, 
less less than above board operation, mm-hmm. even though it is something that is essentially ubiquitous to, to culture at this point. Yeah. Um, I still f- have this thing in the back of my head where it's like, well, if I give them two dollars, they might get my social security. <laughs> it's the thing of you can't you can't win an argument by posting a Wikipedia article. <laughs> <laughs> you know, it's right, just, it's, yeah. it's not, it's not hard, uh, hard science or hard. Let me data. tell you kids, let me tell you kids, when you're, when your professors in college say, don't use Wikipedia as a source, don't listen to them because I did it and I made it out of college just fine. All the sources I, are at the bottom. Just follow the sources that yeah. are in the Wikipedia article. They've yeah. collected it for you. I, uh, uh, I, I'm far enough out of school where I don't think they can revoke my diploma for saying this, but <laughs> I, uh, the last paper I ever wrote in college, this is art school, by the way, so I wasn't exactly writing papers all the time, um, was on a book that I, a, a, it was a nonfiction book about Orientalism that I did not read. Uh, and 11th hour, I'm like, how the fuck am I going to write this paper? Someone, I I don't know why, this is a book that I'd never heard of, I've never heard anybody mention it. There was an in depth breakdown of that book on wikipedia mm-hmm. that i used as my sole source <laughs> and it worked out just fine copy paste special thank you goes to our captain tier supporters ben douglas tark latif joint mango noel gallagher mike burnett and matthew ross angie Sherlock, colonel doomsday nathan elliott samuel custer matt cutler nick sergi grim santo sean christian pouch Bradley Killens, Dwayne Hackett, Chris Tinsley, Darth Moss, Kevin Reyes, Jordan Cooper, Vol 13 Hero, Rune Vendler, HH28, Stefan Minton, Nick the Rat, Derek Zajac, Paul Roscoe, Jacob123, Poindexter G, Groppler John Zorn, Mike Harris, Eric Antoine, Kevin Lowry, Captain Brazen, Jakey's Gamer, Patrick Seba, Corey Martin, William Scheisler, Soylent Blue, Zane Majors, and Dave Davies. Thank you very much, everybody, for supporting the show on patreon.com slash Lipensky. He actually just introduced himself to me on Twitter. It is he did, Dave yeah. Davies from yeah, the did. Kinks. Yes. He did, yeah. I was, uh, I was also on that. Let me get this first. Looking good. Looking good for yeah. pushing 80. 80s. <laughs> <laughs> Tweeting appropriately. Yeah. yeah. So we have some comments on judgment. Uh, Noel Gallagher is the only patron who correctly spelled judgment. That's a little bit of trivia for everybody. <laughs> so I'm, I'm going out of my way to correct the control. Oh, did F. we get Noel? I missed. I didn't hear you say no, it. Noel Gallagher is now following oh, the podcast. Great. Oof. Uh, better get better get separate rooms ready for when Liam shows up. Yeah, all these um, all these you'd assume well-to-do bands only have one member at a time support our Patreon. Unfortunately, yeah, it'd be nice, if, it'd be nice Although, if all of them could. I'll be honest, if this if if we can put finally put Dave Davies and Noel Gallagher in a room, and they can Dave Davies can take Noel Gallagher to task for how much they ripped off the tanks <laughs> in Oasis, then that's going to be fun to watch too. It's a podcast in and of itself. So I'll read Noel's. <clears throat> comment here first with judgment spelt uh, correctly this episode warms the cockles of my undiscovered country loving heart but maybe has more in common with the ds9 episode tribunal going up against klingon judge judy and the and executioner is finally a plot befitting to archer and the episode is actually interested in delving into klingon society in a fresh way how is archer captured and why are they still in klingon territory after two years of flying in the opposite direction who cares when you've got jg hertzler giving a best guest star performance on the show so far 19th episode is a little late to finally begin the season's serialized plot. That's right, the Klingons return, but I like this one a lot. Four out of five. Yeah, the, um, the, this is this is a great episodic ep- episode in that if, you, if you've been watching the show as we have episode to episode, yeah, you end up going like, what, why are they anywhere near the Klingons mm-hmm. at this point? Uh, but if you're just dipping into Enterprise, this is a great standalone uh, episode, although it does not answer the question of uh, how they captured Archer, as you said, <laughs> which seems to be like a glaring plot hole. <laughs> it Did does. they ask him nicely? Just, yeah, I mean, he, he had to have not been on Enterprise somehow. It's it, they, they don't even really touch on it at all. Um, Let's get six episodes on CBS All Access about that. It's a good short track. Get, get a back heel back here. And now we'll go to the patrons who incorrectly spelt judgment. <laughs> <laughs> and do this twice over. Matt Ross says, first thing we do is kill, although I, to be honest, I would have spelled judgment the wrong way as well. It feels weird to leave off the E that's in the middle. I was going to say, it, it's is it no E? No E. It's J-U-D-G-M-E-N-T is judgment. That's so strange. I guess I've never really thought about that before. 
Man Ross says, the first thing we do is kill all the bad lawyer co- uh, court scripts in Star Trek. Guess there's a long road getting on to that. I can see how this went. Apologies to Clay. Hey, Brandon, we still got those Star Trek six sets in stock footage. Let's use that crap. I hear J.G. Metzler is free, too. I think it's, her- I think it's Hertzler. I think this is J.G. Metzler? J.G. Metzler. He's a car just- salesman. Hopefully that's just that's Berman's ignorance of what actors' names actually <laughs> maybe, are. Maybe, a, maybe that's Matt's joke. Get us the Metzler guy. <laughs> Was the Mets? And then they edited. One of them's a Klingon. <laughs> one of them is my accountant. I can't ever remember which one it is. And then they edited it from there. The ending is ridiculous. Don't leave a death death trap so that no one will know you died. Objection sustained. One out of five. Wow, interesting. I thought wow. I thought his comments were more lighthearted to fun at the start, Yikes. but apparently not. I, I did notice that this uh, this this episode did not feature Berman and Braga on story by credit at all, which seems to be uh, happened few and far between. Mm-hmm. But you could feel you could feel his presence in this one because there was that nice shot. Oh, if we're gonna have the Klingons, can we get the boob window back? <laughs> just, have, just have us. Just give me one where you just get a nice shot right down the pipe. <laughs> Maybe. Well, the camera's under Archer. We'll just get some nice upward <laughs> upward booby shot there. Point X to G says, Judgment, this is the way that nostalgia should be used. Borrowing the trial and rural penthe from the undiscovered country is a nice callback, but those elements by themselves without a compelling story would just be hollow. The story of how the Klingon legal system has become corrupt is a story that works on its own, completely divorced from Star Trek VI's elements. It's not an immensely deep story, but I still enjoyed it quite a bit, and for some reason it makes me happy to see that even 200 years before TNG, the Duras family is still crap. Uh, Latte Librarian says, Enjoyed this Klingon-focused episode a lot. Nice to know there are biologist Klingons out there doing their thing. Four blood wine flasks out of five. Archie's reaction to... Do you think... I was just going to say, do you you think, though, that Klingon biologists are like... When Homer tries to make food for Mr. Burns and he's just like... He's got his, his glasses on and his chef's hat, and he's pouring one kind of cereal, and then he pours the milk in, and the bowl catches on fire, and he's like, hmm. <laughs> like, they don't actually know about biology, but they, like, they're very early stages of biology where they're like, we've come to the conclusion that sickness is caused by tiny demons that get in through your butt. Now, in this PowerPoint, I will prove, like, is it that kind of thing? No questions asked. I would imagine it's just a lot of dissection. Would be my idea of what yeah, a Klingon biologist yes. would do, just to see the best ways to kill something. Uh, we've we've dissected five thousand Klingon Klingon uh, citizens, and we've come to the conclusion that they all have bones. <laughs> got to be sure. You, you got to have ninety nine point nine percent effectiveness with bone discovery. Uh, Archer Archer it's Archer reacts badly to the blood wine in this when he drinks it. Um, yeah, which is. Kind of funny because every other show that ever has ever done blood wine has shown everyone enjoying it quite a bit. Yeah, uh, I always thought that it was just a very easy alcohol to drink, which maybe doesn't make sense in Klingon context. But like Cisco was always just guzzling blood wine constantly, like mm. whenever he was on doing a Klingon thing. So, well, you know, it's like you you get used to it. Like it's first time you drink black coffee, but now by the time you become an adult, everybody's drinking black coffee. Yeah. Where are you at in your coffee drinking? Do you drink black coffee? Or are you some pussy? Uh, black decaf. Oh really? I've, uh, yeah, I've used up. <laughs> so you just I, like I, you just like black water, basically. Just, basically, yeah. yeah. No, I I went I went hard in my early coffee days, and I can't do I can't do caffeinated coffee anymore. So I usually what I drink now is in the summer I will get two shots of well three shots of decaf espresso over ice. Mm-hmm. Um, so then the hot espresso melts the ice and you get like a it's it's the strongest version of decaf coffee I've been able to come across. <laughs> if you're looking for a solid decaf, three shots of decaf espresso over ice from Starbucks is very good. Yep. No, I am. Um... Yeah, I go. It's that or like a ridiculous sugary. Co- I'm, I'm a I'm addicted to peppermint mochas. Oh, really? Yeah. You had a. Um... Uh, it's too long of a story. I'll, I'll come back to the coffee story, but it's um, my thing is just I have a little bit of cream in the first cup of the day. We make our own coffee, mm-hmm. so it's like a little bit in the first. But I never, I never add more cream when I refill the coffee. So I, I oh, my, my coffee okay. becomes blacker the more that I the more mm-hmm. that I go into it. And it uh, so I don't know why I add so little cream. I don't know why I think it's different to it. Really, mm-hmm. I don't know what the cream does in a coffee. Uh, it's 
I've noticed the different things you can add do very different different things. Like the, I, I think uh, if I remember correctly, it's been a while since I've put anything in my coffee, but cream is heads and tails better than milk. It is, yeah, because yeah. milk just is disgusting yeah. in coffee because it doesn't <laughs> it doesn't change the taste, it doesn't change the texture. What the cream just makes your coffee like creamier, essentially. Yeah. Yeah. That's all it's doing. But milk doesn't do that, and it also doesn't give you that like incredibly pleasant color like you yep. you have a, a big range of colors that you can go through if you're adding cream to your coffee with milk it's just like you've dumped a bunch of sand in <laughs> right. and it just <laughs> turns it this like disgusting gray color that's not very appetizing yeah that that overburnt pot of coffee color that 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 gray yes. when it, once yeah. it starts in that gray it's just in bad news yeah. but it is true it's I've, like how how for you don't put much cream in the coffee but Cream is vastly different from milk in a coffee. It's just right. it's really surprising yeah. how 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 much impact a little bit of cream has in a coffee. Yeah. I've definitely gone through like what I imagine the kind of uh steps and orchestrations that like drug addicts end up going through to get the perfect thing, you know, mm-hmm. perfect thing they're looking for. I I clearly not a drug addict. <laughs> um but like, you know, I I will I would I would put the cream in the cup first. And then put the coffee on top of it because if you do it the other way around, it cools the coffee off too much. So if you put the cream in earlier, then the cream has a little bit of time to like warm up. So then you don't end up with like a half hot cup of coffee that gets cold really fast. How long are you leaving the cream out to warm up? Not too long. Oh. Well, it depends. Like sometimes, <laughs> sometimes I'll sometimes I'll run. I'll, I'll put some hot water into the mug to warm the yes. mug up. Kind yeah, of like I, you I do, do that. Like a, yeah. like a teapot. Yeah. You know? yeah. Um. They I, come I learned, out of the ca- they that. come out of the cabinet so cold these winter days. I, they do. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, I learned I learned that from the prisoner when he goes through how to make an <laughs> appropriate cup of cup of tea. Yeah, by warming the pot first. I, I blow um, into them occasionally if I rush for time, like they're my hands and I'm outside and it's oh, cold. Yeah. <laughs> it's like yeah, yeah, blow into the cup. Yeah, yeah I've yeah. gone through. I I was uh, once I switched over to decaf, I became a lot like I've I'm still am, but less so now on the search for the the best cup of decaf coffee I can manifest. Mm-hmm. So I went I went through French presses. I went through you know making drip, drip coffee yeah. with espresso beans instead of just regular coffee. I went through it went through everything, and now I'm at. Uh, if I go out, I get espresso over ice. But at home, I actually I use Starbucks decaf, which is really good. It's the best like store brand decaf I've ever had. Oh, interesting. Captain Brazen says judgment. Seeing as this is an episode I actually enjoyed from season two of Enterprise, I'm forgoing the writing of an average limerick poem summarizing the plot. Apologies, and you're welcome. Two, seeing an early version of Klingon courtroom in the prison planet of Rorapente from the Undiscovered Country are both warm slices of nostalgia used in a fresh way that makes sense. Three, featuring J.G. Hertzler as the new Klingon is brilliant, and he mixes his old portrayal of Martok with his new character, Kolos, an older Klingon of a different generation disgusted by his society's lack of honor. Four, Kolos discussing his society's shift of honor with young warriors fighting weaker foes for the Empire feels like a subtle commentary on the new U.S. soldiers at the time signing up for to fight in Iraq after 9-11. Five, though not groundbreaking, it's the most enjoyable Klingon episode Enterprise has delivered so far. Four, life sentences to pick X, heavy styrofoam ice blocks out of five. I like I like his new uh, uh, rhymeless verse approach, yeah. more of a freestyle to this one. I uh, <clears throat> I'm not saying I want everybody to do this, but uh, wouldn't it be something if next week everybody's comments were written as uh, the versions of the Twelve Days of Christmas? We still have time. We have one Christmas episode left, right? Do we have? No, we, we don't. Yeah, we've no, got, we don't. Fuck uh, ourselves. This is, this, this is the last one. This is coming out next week on Tuesday, so this or Wednesday, Tuesday. So this will not be in time. Oh damn it! I thought we had one more. Oh balls! Do it post Christmas for the next one. Yeah, Whatever's after sure. Judgment, I don't remember what it is, but everyone can do that. Give us, give us your countdown. Uh, thank you, Captain Brazen. What the fuck is the next one? That's it. Sorry. Keep in mind, you get five lines. I don't want yeah. the whole song. Right, five lords you leaping pick. is the maximum number of lords that I want to see leaping about <laughs> in this song. Pick, pick your favorite five numbers from Twelve Days of Christmas and go nuts. <laughs> Thank you very much, patrons, for leaving your comments about Judgment J U D G M E N T, and we will be back with the next episode that you can leave your uh, thoughts about, which is I think it's Horizon, which is um, Travis Mayweather episode. 
I apparently didn't give my rating in the last episode, and people let me know about it on YouTube. So I gave a three to Boom. The Crossing. I'm just going to update that now so it's on the record. So me and you both gave a three to that one. What are you going to give Judgment? Mm. I, I think I'm going to go four because I don't want to get too excited about this one and say it's a five just because it's like the best one I've watched in the past 18 weeks. Yep. Yep. Uh, but it's, is this the best episode of season two for you then? That would, would, I think, I think so. Probably. Yeah. Um, yeah. What are you, what are you going to do? I'm going to give it a four as well. Yeah. It's probably the best episode of the season for me so far. Um, yeah, I liked Carbon Creek a little bit more than you, but yeah, I, I like I, I I give this as, this is a solid four for me. There's like no, I don't need to disguise it really. Um, it's mm. not a five just because I think that it's a little, it's a little light or not impactful. It's just like it's 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 very well done, which is the difference to me between the five, which is like an exceptional um, standalone, really profound episode. This one's not profound to me. It's just good. Uh, so I'm going to mm, give it a four, yeah. and I'm happy with that. Yeah. And it's definitely the best episode of the season, I think, so far for me. Can't remember what the other fours are this season. Carbon Creek, I, Stigma was a four, the AIDS allegory one. Yeah. And then there's another one, Dead Stop, I think we gave up. I think that's season two, the one with the um, the station that fixes you for free, but it steals your oh, brain. Oh, sure. Jesus Christ, that's the same season? Yeah, I think that's the season. That was like six months ago. Yes, Yes, it was. Oh, my God. What's your ever end? <laughs> YouTube commenters are concerned for your mental well-being. They're saying we need to get Ugh. through Enterprise Season 2 a little bit faster than we are at this point. Discovery's going to end guys, soon. So. I'll tell you guys, if Season 3 of this show that you guys seem to love is not the greatest season of Star Trek I've ever watched, <laughs> I am going to be very upset. <laughs> season 3 is super different, so we will have something to look forward to for in terms of a difference, and we won't be competing with Discovery at that point either, so... It'll seem a little bit more of a pickup pace. Um, that's it. Fours for both of us for judgment. Thank you very much for listening. Patreon.com slash the Penske file if you want to support the show. Much appreciated if you do so. And I guess that's it. Clay, do you have anything you want to say? Yeah. Uh, we've got a new Rotten Heart Picture Show this week, our Christmas episode. We will be covering 1974's Black Christmas, which is a great early. A uh, proto slasher movie from Canada, directed by Bob Pl- Bob Clark, director of such great films as Porky's, Porky's Two, and A Christmas Story. So he's got quite a range in his uh, very strange career. <laughs> Good movie. Good movie. And then uh, there would be a new badass at some point down the line. Probably in the past couple of days that that has happened. Yes. If this is Christmas week, there will be a new badass next, next week. week which is, uh, I believe, the return of Mr. Freeze. And uh, we'll have a guest on for that one. one our, our final uh, Bloody Hell Kickstarter um, backer will be joining us. You must be near the end, it must be near the end of a badass. You must only have one left after that as well. Yep. It's uh, Mr. Freeze, uh, the return of Mr. Freeze and whatever the other episode is, it's, I'm blanking on it. And then the following episode is uh, the final episode of what is technically known as batman the animated series which is batgirl returns we'll we do that one and i do a little bit of a kind of a series wrap-up thing and then uh then after that we'll be doing sub-zero the mr freeze movie and then moving into season four Mm -hmm. which is the new redesigned characters and all that kind of fun stuff sneak peek of um if you had if you had a one word one one word to describe revisiting batman the animated series over again what word would you choose um one word two if you need I, two two words uh still great still great okay interesting. yeah that is that is not going to get clicks you say what the <laughs> no, never mind. Oh, God. yeah okay i'm sorry let's do that again two words two um words. surprisingly bad yeah. actually <laughs> So check out Clay and Sean ripping apart Batman the Animated Series, which is terrible at this point in 2020, uh, as they close out that series. Just just, uh, everybody be ready for my eight-hour Cinema Sins video where I go through all of the things wrong with all 80-something episodes of Batman the Animated Series. Thank you very much for listening, guys. I guess this is our last Enterprise Christmas episode, and Discovery is coming out 
like fucking Santa through the chimney. It comes out on Christmas or something. So we're gonna have to fucking throw the throw the family out of the. Well, the family won't be in the house anyway at this point. But you uh, know, unfortunately, I'm not gonna be seeing my family on Christmas this year because of COVID. Um, but if I had, I could. I just for the sake of doing this to be to be so mad. I would be. I would love to have to go. Listen, everyone. Merry Christmas. Excuse me. I need to go watch Star Trek Discovery. I'm on my my iPad. <laughs> and then I have to podcast about it on Christmas Day because <laughs> these people hate me. <laughs> it's weird. It's a little weird. They're not taking Christmas week off, isn't it? And they're also strapped for production know. because the trailers, I don't know if you've noticed, have had unfinished VFX and color correction in them oh i haven't noticed no so they're going down to the wire i would say take the holiday week off and maybe catch up and then you'll be all set so i don't i don't know maybe they just want to get it but it's on all access too it's not like it's even got like network uh issues going against it where they need the schedule to stay i don't know anyway get ready for discovery uh christmas morning i can't i can't wait for the finale that is that takes place in the the matrix white void right where they're just talking for an hour. Honestly, it might be more enjoyable. <laughs> Here comes the architect. All right, guys. Merry Christmas, everybody. Uh, we'll be back, so I won't say Happy New Year at this point, but Merry Christmas, and have a good uh, holiday celebration with whatever you're doing. And we'll be back. Thank you for supporting the show, and thank you for listening. And then we'll be back with our next episode, which is Horizon, I believe. I'm going to do that without checking, so praise be to me. All right, guys. Thank you very much for listening. We'll see you next time.